Good morning. It's a beautiful day to be worshiping the Lord together in his house. So good to see so many of you here this morning, and uh, it is always a privilege and, and uh, a joy to be able to worship together with you. Would you once again bow with me and let's ask the Lord's blessing upon his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that out of your great love, you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus, into this world. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to be obedient to your Father's plan and that you came into this world, you lived a perfect life, you showed us the way to live, and then you died the perfect death for our sins, and you rose from the grave so that we too can live with you. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are now with us and that you are in us and that it is by you and your work that we know we are the children of God. We know that we have everything that we need in the spiritual realm to live the life you have called us to by your power. And so Holy Spirit, this morning I acknowledge my complete dependence upon you that any of these words that would have any effect or impact on anyone listening today is by your power. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open ears to hear, hearts to understand, and wills that would be obedient to what you call each one of us to as we follow you. And so, Father, we pray that you would bless your word. Speak through it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In this series, Keeping in Step with the Spirit, we have been learning how in the last two parts that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is not simply a force emanating from God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of God. We have learned how by faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is the one who directly enters our lives and saves us. He seals us and he satisfies the thirst of our souls. He is the wellspring and the source of the living water that then flows out of us, bubbles up from our souls, fills our lives, and flows outward to bring God's life-giving grace to others as well. And now today we want to look at how the Holy Spirit uniquely empowers each follower of Jesus Christ to live a life of obedience to God. And my desire for this morning, I'll state at the outset, my desire is to make it crystal clear that there is simply no such thing as a Christian life apart from the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There is no Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. And there can be no lasting ministry work accomplished apart from his power. The Holy Spirit is simply indispensable. Simply put, we can't do anything without him. We can't do anything without him. And he can't do anything with us until we're filled by and in step with him. Now let me ask you here today, who has visited the Niagara Falls? Anyone who's visited? Okay, looks like two-thirds of the, the congregation here this morning have been there, so that's great. You have it as a reference point. I've only been able to visit there once in my life, but that one trip made a very lasting impression. The sheer size, the thunderous roar, the, the spray, the, the mist coming off of the falls, the closer you got, all of it together with the breathtaking beauty, it just left me mesmerized. We only got to spend maybe two or three hours there, but I could have spent the entire day there just staring at it, just 
every angle. I just wanted to just stare at this, this majestic, powerful uh, display. And, and just something about it just stirred something inside of me by, by just looking at it. But as one pastor who lives in the city of Niagara Falls put it, it is one thing to visit the Niagara Falls, and it's another thing to live there. When you live there, you not only appreciate the beauty of the falls, but you are also thankful for the power of the falls. Every single time you turn on your light switch, you are reminded of its power. For hydroelectric generators along the Niagara River produce electricity not only for the city of Niagara Falls, but much of western New York as well. There is not only beauty in the falls, but there is great power. And in this sense, Niagara Falls is much like the filling of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. It is a wonderful and beautiful experience, that moment when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We believe what he's done for us. We receive his salvation. And the Holy Spirit of God enters us with his gracious presence, giving assurance to our hearts that we are now children of God. It is a beautiful moment. It is a a moment that I I hope and pray you all remember, that, that moment you first believed. For in that moment, that was the working of the Holy Spirit. You could not come to that moment of belief and faith apart from the Spirit leading you. You could not understand and believe unless the Spirit opened your mind and heart to understand and believe. The Holy Spirit was very much a part of that salvation experience, for without Him it could not have happened. And so whatever that moment was in your life, I'm sure and I hope that you remember it well and fondly. But though the beauty of our salvation, that moment is one component of the Spirit's work, that is far from the last component of the Spirit's work. For just as the Niagara Falls generates power for an entire region, the Holy Spirit is the power for each believer to now live by. He does not just save us, but now he seals us, he sets us apart, and he enables us to live the life that Jesus taught us. But of course, in order for Niagara's power to be sent to each home, the home must be hooked up to the power source. And in the same way, we must be hooked up to the Spirit, or as Paul puts it, we must keep in step with the Spirit's working within us. There's a story told that many years prior to the construction of the great hydroelectric dams at Niagara, two men visited the falls. And the one who had visited previous said to the other, Come and I will show you the greatest untapped power in the world. And then taking him to the very foot of the thundering falls, he shouted over the deafening roar, This is the greatest untapped power in the world. Ah, no, my brother, is not so, came the reply. The greatest untapped power in the world is the Holy Spirit of the living God. Someone has rightly said, Every believer receives the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. Every believer receives the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit does not have every believer. I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts this morning. In the book of Acts, which is of course short for the Acts of the Apostles. Perhaps a more accurate title of this book would be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the reason I say the more accurate title would be Acts of the Holy Spirit is the simple fact that none of the actions of the apostles would have been possible without the Holy Spirit. 
And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus makes this very clear to his disciples directly before his departure when he ascended to the Father's right hand. Look there with me in Acts chapter 1 and verses 4 to 8. Listen to this. Once when he was eating with them, Jesus commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? And Jesus replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now I want you to first notice that Jesus instructs the disciples to do nothing, nothing, until they have received the Holy Spirit. Even though he had been personally discipling, teaching, and training them for three years, Jesus knew they still couldn't live the life he had taught them to fulfill the world-sized mandate he had just given them without the Holy Spirit. You see, each of us needs to learn that attempting to obey Jesus' teaching, to serve God, To do anything that is pleasing to him without the power of the Holy Spirit is an exercise in futility. In fact, to attempt it is to simply exchange the Old Testament law for the New Testament law. Both are impossible to keep. In fact, the New Testament is even more impossible to keep because Jesus even upped the demands of the Ten Commandments with teachings like this. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. He then upped the ante on another famous of the Ten Commandments. You have heard that it was said, do not murder. But I tell you that anyone who hates his brother is guilty of murder. And so we see in every capacity, Jesus is saying, if it was possible by human effort to keep the Ten Commandments, I'm going to bring them to their fullest level. Is it possible to not look with lust? Is it possible to never have a a feeling of hatred in your heart? These things are simply impossible in our human strength, in our flesh. And so in order to obey Jesus' teaching and fulfill the mandate he has given of proclaiming the gospel everywhere we go to the outermost ends of the earth, to every nation, tribe, and tongue, the power of the Holy Spirit is not an option. He is not a nice add-on to the mission. No, he is essential. Even back in the Old Testament, it was still the Spirit of God who would anoint people for service, empower them to do things for him and for his will. We see one of these examples given in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. There, King Zerubbabel is, is being commanded by God to do a work for him And Zerubbabel doesn't believe he has the ability to do what God is asking him to do. And listen to what the Lord said to him. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Even in the Old Testament, God was making it clear it was not by man's power or might that anything was accomplished for God. No, it was by his spirit. And Jesus' twelve disciples needed to learn this very quickly. 
because he was about to leave them. In fact, the context of Acts chapter 1 is just prior to him ascending to the Father, which is why Jesus had set out the framework for them long before as to how this was all going to work. And we can read that teaching in John chapter 14 and verses 15 to 18. I'd ask you to flip there now with me if you have your Bibles with you. In John chapter 14, here we see Jesus teaching his disciples a great number of things as, as close as we, can, as we can put the timeline. This is directly in the days preceding up to his crucifixion. Beginning in verse 15, listen to what Jesus says. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, first notice here that Jesus is linking loving him with obeying his teaching. He then says that this is directly tied into the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I was in my late teens, I remember reading verse 15 and thinking to myself, if I can just love Jesus enough, if I can just stir up enough love in my heart for Jesus, then I will obey him. But the flip side of that was every time I disobeyed, then there was this nagging question, well, do I really love him? Or I must not love him enough, certainly. And so there was this constant battle going on within me. Could I love Jesus enough to obey him perfectly? But as much as I kept trying, and as much as my efforts could help for a short period of time, in my own strength, I simply could not love him enough. My, My flesh was simply and is simply too weak. Just as the disciples' flesh was too weak. They couldn't love him enough to obey his teaching. And Jesus knew that. He knows that about us as well. He knows how desperately we need help. How short on ability each one of us is. Which is why he didn't stop at verse 15, but he continued. And I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate to help you. And be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. This has been a promise of Jesus that has become increasingly precious to me. I love this promise. This promise is one that I hope that you are going to latch onto because this promise was not just for his disciple, his disciples then, it is for his disciples today. Listen to what the promise was. The advocate, the spirit of truth will be with you forever. Forever. Isn't that a beautiful promise? This isn't temporary. Remember, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit descended, but he could also depart. It was a temporary thing. It was an equipping for a specific task, an anointing. But now it is permanent. He will be with you and in you forever. I am no longer left to my own devices. I am not an orphan trying to figure out how to obey my Heavenly Father on my own. No, the Spirit of Truth, my Advocate, is now with me and in me. And through the Spirit's presence and power, I can now love Jesus with a greater love. One that doesn't say, I guess I have to obey, or I have to try harder to obey. But one that instead says, I want to obey. I desire to obey. I desire 
to bless his heart. I desire to please him. I desire to share his beauty and his grace and his majesty with others. I'm not up here because I have to obey. I want to be. I want to be obedient. I want to tell you about what he has done and what he can do for you. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, listen to what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. It very much parallels Jesus' teaching. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, I am only speaking for myself, and I can only speak for myself, but I suspect that there might be some of you who identify with me on this. I very easily get stuck on verse 12. I very easily get stuck on a verse 12 approach to Christian living. The one that says, work hard. Work hard. We love that word, work hard, don't we? That phrase, especially as Mennonite farmers are upbringing, work hard. We love to, to, to focus on verse 12. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. We salt of the earth farmers. We love that. For it implies that by the sweat of our brow effort, by our tenacity, by our ingenuity, we are going to win the day. That by working hard, we can obey God. We can fulfill his mission. We will do the job. We will evangelize the earth. But while this is oh so appealing to us because it plays upon our pride, that, oh, I'm a hard worker, let me tell you today that this approach to the Christian life is dead wrong. It is appealing, but it is wrong. We simply cannot stop at verse 12. We must include verse 13, which tells us, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So whose work are we relying on here? Verse 12 tells us, work hard, and then verse 13 says, for God is working in you. So which is it? Well, it's both, but they must come in the correct order. Complete dependence on the working of the Holy Spirit within us must come first. Before we can do anything that is pleasing to God or that will endure in his kingdom, we must depend on his work. And our work will only accomplish in so much as it is directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when we properly understand that our human power alone accomplishes nothing for God, this humbles us. It humbles us and it forces us to our knees before God to seek his presence and his power. For apart from him, I can do nothing. It's not just that I can do something. I can do nothing apart from him. The Lord Jesus made that plain. That he is the vine. We are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Nothing. We need his power. But we need not wonder if it is available. For listen to what Jesus said. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. I want you to notice the repeated words, will, will be. There's no ifs or mites or maybes. 
will is an emphatic word, a promise of Jesus. And when they fall from, these words fall from Jesus' lips, these are promises, guarantees you can take to the bank. We don't have to wonder if the power is available to us. So the question is not, is the Spirit available? Is the Spirit willing? The question is, are we willing to humble ourselves? Are we willing to humble ourselves to stop operating in the power of our flesh? And in humility, ask the Holy Spirit to so move within us, to so fill us from the tops of our heads to the tips of our toes that no effort, word, or deed would ever again be done apart from him. We must hook up to the generator. We must hook up and we must depend upon his power. And now I would love to move on to the next point. But this one is so important, I can't stress it enough. And I will repeat myself again so that you cannot forget. Because this is just so crucial, my friends. The Christian life is impossible apart from the inner working of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. I want to share with you the story of my my best friend, Steve Bryce. Many of you know him. I've referenced him before. I usually clear with him ahead of time when I'm going to use him in a sermon illustration. I didn't this time, but he's gotten used to that. But he recently, in a conversation, shared with me how for him, growing up in the church, he had never caught on to this all-important truth. And though it was prefaced, it was, it was taught in a general way, It just had never registered with him how important the Holy Spirit's working was. And so for him as a child growing up in the church, and even as a teenager and into his early 20s, all he heard was, be better, do more, obey, share your faith with others. You're not doing enough. If you love Jesus enough, you'd be doing more. And that's all he heard. That's all he received. And so... Like a good Christian boy, he sincerely tried. He tried and he tried and he inevitably fell flat and failed. And it left him disillusioned. It left him questioning everything that he had been taught and believed. And of course, he hid this from most everyone. He faked it. He faked it from even those closest to him. I had some inkling of what was going on, but I didn't know what was going on deep down in his heart and his soul, and he was struggling. But this, coupled together with some other factors, led him down a very dark path. And some of you who were present at the men's breakfast a few years ago heard his testimony of what that led him to. It led him to a point where taking his own life was only the two ounces of a trigger pull away. But the Lord intervened. He did not allow him to go through with it. He pulled him back from the brink. And now Steve's journey from near death to true life has not been without its bumps. It didn't happen overnight. But little steps became bigger steps. And it was not that long ago that a big step forward was when he connected with Dave Wright. Yes, the Dave Wright that you know, the missionary with New Tribes Missions. And I was able to connect the two of them, and and Dave was able to do for Steve what I was not. 
He was in a different position than me, not as a friend, but as someone who he could look up to, a mentor. And Dave explained to Steve in a very simple way how the combination of Jesus' grace, resting in Jesus' grace alone, and then relying on the Holy Spirit's power within is all that is required of us. It is all that God asks. God does the rest. We rest in grace and we rely on the Spirit. Sincerely trying and inevitably failing is no longer needed. We rest in grace and we rely on the Spirit. And let me just say, as a friend of Steve's, to see the change this has been making in his life, well, it's just awesome. And now he's at the point where he's prayerfully considering the possibility of leaving a a lucrative career as an airline pilot and becoming a missionary pilot. And I would ask you to please pray that God would give him discernment and guidance in this. But let me just say the important thing here is not whether or not he becomes a missionary pilot. The important thing is that he is learning to rely on the Holy Spirit and not his own effort. And now maybe you've not reached as dark a place in your life as he did. But perhaps you too have been sincerely trying and inevitably failing. Perhaps you're disillusioned. Perhaps you're questioning everything you've been taught and believed. Perhaps you're questioning if an authentic Christian life is really even possible or if everyone else is just faking it like you. Do you feel like you're missing something? Do you feel like you're failing and faking it? Jesus makes clear it doesn't need to be that way, my friends. The Spirit of God, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is in you. He is available. He is ready. And my friends, He is oh so willing to fill you up, to stir within your spirit, to empower you to live the free, fulfilled, empowered, and peaceful life that Jesus intends for every last one of his disciples, including you. So let's simply obey Jesus' words that he told his disciples in Luke 11, verse 13, where he taught, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So let's pray, and let's ask the Father Let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up, to stir us up, so that we can live the life, the empowered life, the peaceful life that he has called us to, and rely fully upon him. Would you bow with me? Holy Spirit, we simply ask that you would stir within each one of our spirits, that you, the wellspring of life, would bubble up within each one of us, that we could sense your presence, that we could feel you filling us, empowering us, guiding us, giving us greater love for Jesus, giving us the power that we lack to live a life of obedience, one that is empowered by you to make an impact, not just for today, but for eternity, for the kingdom that is yet to be revealed. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We welcome you. Work within us that which is pleasing to you 
according to your will. For we humbly ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.